Good evening, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson and Josh Bow once again here for another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. We're coming to you after another Mavericks win, this time against the Minnesota Timberwolves, 121 to 114. Um, before we get started, I think we need to pay our respects to uh, former editor-in-chief of Mavs Moneyball, <laughs> now at The Athletic, Tim Cato. Um, he was just Rick Carlisle on television. Uh, there's a video. We'll probably share it. It's amazing. Um, we love you, Tim. I, uh, I'm sorry to see you go that way. But uh, yeah, Josh, so what did you think of the game? <laughs> okay, Kirk. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, man, I'm sorry. I'm still giggling about the, the Carlisle Tim thing. It's been a while. T- Carlisle hasn't really been mad with, with Tim in a while. Like, or anyone really. Yeah. He, he, he's been building this up, I think, especially since they've been winning. And especially since think about, I know Tim has actually written about this along with me about how many lineup articles we've written. And we know <laughs> Carlisle gets Google alerts to Mav stuff. You mm. know, he's been waiting to unload after, after an impressive win on that uh so that was funny um but yeah this this was a pretty wild ass game i thought the fourth quarter was just from a like fan observer standpoint that was like one of the most fun i've had watching a basketball game in a while like that was a really up and down fourth quarter both teams were kind of trading haymakers just making three pointers back to back to back uh like that was cool like that was a great win it was fun to watch and I'm just endlessly impressed by how it seemingly every other night another Maverick aside from Luca kind of steps up to help carry to them a win. And it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I, uh, we have a piece coming out tomorrow. You know, we're kind of at the quarter quarter season mark. It's been 21 games. Mavericks are now 15 and six. And I, I asked a question to our entire staff, like who is the, the second most important Maverick was basically the question. And I got five different answers. And that really is interesting, you know, with with where we kind of assumed the pecking order would be. Um, there's obviously, you know, we've kind of beaten the the Porzingis thing to, you know, to a pulp at this point. I think the long-term projection, you know, Jordan said this to me in our Slack where it's like, you know, with Porzingis, we're, we're really thinking about next year. Everything that he gives us this year is kind of a bonus. And if the Mavericks make the playoffs with, you know, KP contributions being a bonus. That's just outstanding because every night it's really somebody different. And I went to look at who I wanted to talk about with my notes. I took like four and a half pages on a Microsoft Word document of notes tonight because there was just so much to talk about. Now, you might have thought it was fun. I was kind of losing my mind because (laughs) I thought this was the way that third quarter went in particular. The Mavericks just didn't look like they had anything. Yeah, and and to be fair, you know, second night of a back-to-back, and they've been playing so, you know, well for the last week. In my mind, it kind of felt like, okay, they're they're due. Like, they're going to be off. Minnesota's hitting a ton of threes, which they don't really do outside of uh, Cat. So I was like, this is, you know, the Mavericks aren't playing well, but they've kind of almost oddly earned a night where we can say they look like crap and they're not going to win. Uh so like that was kind of my thought process and I'm right there with you, you know, with the KP stuff, you know, at this point I've kind of just accepted that. Yeah. Like you said, we're just not going to get, I'm not expecting him to make some huge turnaround and all of a sudden become a 25 point per game score, hit 38% of his threes. Like I've just accepted that that's just not going to happen this season. And, and that's okay. You know, you know, echoing again, what you said, like 
It's just this season is about getting him right on the court physically. And then you hope with an off season where he's not just rehabbing and he feels confident in his body that he can spend the next off season kind of getting his groove back and, and, and being back to the player that he was before the injury. Uh, so, you know, I, I, every time KP has maybe a stinker of a game, it, it it's disappointing, of course, but it, it's kind of the water just kind of rolls off my back. It doesn't really bother me too much. Um, but I think, you know, you talked about it in our Slack, Jalen Brunson, just an unbelievable fourth quarter, basically saved the game for them. And mm-hmm. like I said earlier, seemingly another player just kind of comes out of nowhere every night off this bench and has a huge game. Uh, tonight it was Jalen Brunson. The last night it was Seth Curry, who hadn't done much before that game. So it's just crazy. Like, I, I think Tim actually tweeted this. Uh, he talked about how this team has Luca and Kristaps and then the rest of the roster feels like a bunch of sixth and seventh men. And Rick just kind of juggles it and gets the most out of whoever has the hot hand. And that's kind of what it's felt like. And it's just wild looking at this roster and seeing the Mavs are 15 and six. And I really, when I'm thinking back, cause I didn't, obviously I didn't think they'd be this good. And I'm looking at the roster outside of Luca and what everyone's doing and no one's really doing anything more than I thought they would. You know, no one's really having a huge breakout season. In right. fact, two of the guys are doing less than I thought, you know, KP and Seth. And even with that, they're 15 and six because Luca is just on another level. And, and when Luca doesn't have it, they just, they just get enough out of, they just, if it's not Dorian Finney Smith hitting shots, you know, it's Brunson. If it's not Brunson, it's Seth. If it's not Seth, it's Maxi. If it's not Maxi, it's Powell. Like <laughs> they get, they just get just enough. Like they just, they, it's like a roulette wheel spins every night. And then whoever lands on is going to be the guy that has the, has the big night to help Luca. Well, the Brunson thing is particularly interesting because if you go look at his, his, you know, uh, game log, he started off the season playing heavier minutes and they've basically, I don't want to say they've disappeared because that's not really right. But over the last six in particular, he's played, you know, single digit minutes three times and he's only played over 12 minutes once. And, you know, the, the, the days of 20 minute, uh, uh, Jalen Brunson games have, have kind of gone to the wayside as they've really, you know, tightened their rotation. And Coop and I talked about this last night on the podcast. It's really interesting that if you pull back and look at the roster from like a really high level, if you want to be a positive person, which I think we should try to be, when you move past Luca, you have Brunson, you have Wright, you have Curry, you have Berea as ball, ball handling options, all of whom seem to have Carlisle's confidence. Now that that last bit about Carlisle's confidence is the part that I think hasn't necessarily been the case the last several seasons. And that's really fun because I think what that means on a night to night basis, the bet, you know, the opposing team doesn't know who to prepare for because the ability to break JJ out of, out of, you know, the, the emergency glass case and he can go in and score six points and change the pace of the game is really interesting. The fact that he did it with Brunson tonight was really outstanding. I mean, I I can't speak highly enough of Brunson's game tonight because he had this one move on the right wing where he, he dribbled in, then cut back out to the top of the key, kept his dribble alive and then sliced all the way to the hoop for a left-handed layup. And it's just that sort of heady play which a lot of guards in the league don't make, let alone other players in the Mavericks. So it's just, it was just really fun to watch him play tonight. Yeah, definitely. And you talk about JJ kind of being the way that they're just pulling all the right strings. 
So JJ's played 55 total minutes in those 55 minutes. He's hit nine of 13 from three and 16 of 32 from the floor. Like the fact that they can just do that and they don't need to play Berea 15 minutes, 20 minutes every night. They can just say, man, we don't have it tonight. Let's, let's break out our, you know, veteran who's won finals games and have him go out there, play 10 minutes and give us the spark that we need and hit shots. Like, it's just unbelievable the way that these bench guys are able to stay ready, despite the fact that they don't always necessarily know if it's going to be a big minute night for them. You know, when they get on the floor, it's almost like, hey, we have to pl- I have to play as good as I can right now because there's so many other guys on this bench that will get an opportunity if it's not me that I have to make my shots. I have to make my cuts. I have to set screens hard. I have to defend as well as I can, you know, even if I'm even if it's a mismatch, because. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith knows if he's not cutting it, they've got Justin Jackson. And Tim Hardaway Jr. knows if he's not cutting it, Seth Curry will come in. And, you know, DeLon Wright will come in. Brunson will come in. and it's. But what's wild about that, what's wild about that, though, is you usually in situations see guys play tight is that they're afraid to make mistakes. And in this situation with what the Mavericks are doing, particularly over the last 10 games or so, I don't feel like anybody's playing tight. I feel like these guys step out on the floor with the confidence like they're able to win. I mean, the fact that Luca and KP had kind of rough games tonight and it's the bench once again that carries them over the finish line if we're if we're really talking big picture, that sort of stuff's just outstanding. Now, we've we've really waited too long to talk about the guy who who got them there because I think, you know, Dwight Powell deserves all the credit in the world. They need they needed every one of his 24 points to even keep the game close to give that, you know, the 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 Mavericks a chance to explode in the fourth quarter. He played an utterly outstanding game from start to finish. You know, he connected on a on a corner 3 which I mean, I don't remember seeing Powell shoot corner threes before. So that was outstanding. He finished a lot of oops. He he you know, he got Carl Towns with a with a show on the three-point line and drove all the way to the the basket for a dunk in the third quarter. He was he was just outstanding. We don't know the st- or at least I don't know the status of him as he exited in the game in the fourth quarter after you know looks like colliding with KP's hip. His his left forearm was really hurting him. Um, we hope he is obviously okay because you know it seems uh, these last you know five to six games or so, Powell has really kind of come out of his statistical uh, desert and is contributing in the box score in ways that are really easy to see. Yeah, and uh, as an update to that, I think Rick said in his postgame presser that the x-ray was negative on his arm, and so it's a contusion, and he's day-to-day. So luckily, they kind of avoided disaster. Because when I, when I watched that live, I went, oh, he just broke his wrist or something. It looked it looked kind of gnarly the way his arm got twisted and then you know slapped against uh, KP's hip there. So it's good to know that you know it's not a break and hopefully nothing too serious. But yeah, yeah. Um, Powell's had an interesting season because, like you said, statistically, box score wise, it just hasn't been there. Um, even advanced stats wise, you know, he hasn't been finishing on the pick and roll as well as he normally does. But otherwise, he's been tremendous. The Mavs just play so much better when he's on the floor. Luca plays so much better when he's on the floor because just his ability to move without the ball, to set screens, to fill open space, to create space by moving. Uh, without the ball is just it's paramount on this team which which you know a lot of guys on this team you know there there can be a lot of standing and watching when Luca has the ball just just the way that this roster is set up and constructed you know there's not a lot of cutters necessarily on this team outside of Pal and maybe you know Justin Jackson 
so when Powell's in the game, defenses just don't get a break because he's either constantly moving, he's constantly running toward the rim, he's constantly screening. Like he just puts so much pressure on the defense without the ball, and that's kind of that's the kind of stuff you can't really look in a box score. Or you can't you don't always necessarily see you know if you're not paying attention off the ball. Like it's really easy to miss that kind of stuff, and it's really easy on the other end to see him get scored on the rim or or get bullied in the paint, that kind of stuff, which is very noticeable. So it, it kind of creates this perception that he's having a, re- a lousy season when in reality he's definitely struggling in some aspects that he normally thrives in, but. The Ma- he's just indispensable to what the Mavs want to do. And in, in a perfect world, you would get a guy that can do all those things offensively and, and then not give it up on the other end. But, you know, hey, the, everyone, you know, every NBA roster wishes they could have as many two-way guys as possible. It's just, you know, sometimes it's just not the reality. Uh, tonight, you know, spectacular. I loved his off-the-bounce game, like you said, that dunk against Carl uh, Anthony Towns. I feel like that's an underrated part of his game, his ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit and catch some big snapping. Like, I just don't think some guys that are guarding him are ready for his first step, and he can really have a nice first step dribble and, and get to the basket really fast. And I think if he's being guarded by a traditional big that really isn't paying attention, I think he can really surprise some guys and get to the basket and four assists, he makes the right play usually with the passing the ball. So that was just one of his better games of his career, really. I think two points off of his career high, and like you said, they needed every one. They needed every one of them. And yeah, Carl Anthony Towns kind of gave it to him on the other end, uh, twenty six points on nineteen shots. But you'll live with that, and you just kind of live with the effort and the energy that he brings on a consistent basis. Yeah, yeah, I I was. I, I just can't speak enough about really the bench and Dwight Powell and everything that happened. All right, let's pivot to, you know, anything that we were kind of disappointed in. I would say uh, I'm not really disappointed because, you know, how do you, how do you, how can one be disappointed in like Luka Doncic's, you know, 22 point seven rebound, six assist game. That was definitely a, a bit of a struggle bus for him tonight. He, you know, looked off uh, either between his shot. He was either bothered by the length, the the kind of inconsistent foul calls from the refs. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, it's a good reminder that he's 20 years old. Um, and past that, you know, I really don't have much to add. Yeah, and when you think about it, man, the Wolves starting lineup, um, uh, Culver, Akogi, Wiggins, Covington, like, that's a lot of rangy guys and a lot of arms to throw at, at Luca. And it feels like that's kind of how you have to stop him is just put as many six, six to six, eight guys on the floor with long arms and just hope that you can clog as many passing lanes as possible. And, and I thought the Wolves did a good job in that regard. Cause they've just got so many athletes that they could put on the floor at one time. Um, and then also, I guess if there was a disappointment for me, uh, even though he contributed mightily, you know, had a, big offensive rebound in the fourth quarter Doreen Finney-Smith missed two threes and one of them just broke my soul a little bit when Luca had just a beautiful pass out of the pick and roll from the strong side to the weak side corner and Finney-Smith was wide open and, and missed the shot I think it was I can't remember I think it was in the second second quarter or third quarter and it was and I think the Wolves right after he missed that three the Wolves scored like five or six straight points and it was just kind of backbreaking a little bit uh and it just kind of goes to show like some nights it's going to be Finney Smith, some nights it's not. Uh, and that can be frustrating, but the Mavericks just seem to persevere because they just have a strength in numbers kind of mentality. And, and that's pretty fun to watch sometimes. Yep. And that was the first game of a five game homestand. They play kind of an odd schedule over the next. So today is Wednesday. 
uh, uh, December 4th. Between now and December 14th, they only play four more games, all of them at home. Uh, one of them is a afternoon game on Saturday against uh, New Orleans. And then, you know, it's, it's just kind of an odd, odd deal. Then they play three national games and uh, national televised games in a row, uh, starting with, uh, you know, the Bucks, then Boston, then Philadelphia. So, so this, you know, despite the fact that the schedule is a little bit tougher than it has been, this is another interesting stretch where the Mavericks can really, you know, they have an opportunity to rack up wins. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to covering them the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't have the schedule in front of me right now, but I think after this next couple of games, don't they play like a murderer's row of of playoff teams? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They that's what I meant. So they play these yeah. five home games, then they play Milwaukee on the road, Boston at home, Philadelphia on the road, Toronto on the road, San Antonio, then they go to Golden State, then they play the Lakers, Oklahoma City. I mean, there's a there's an occasional easier game, but when you look at their their schedule, you know, from now until forever, they don't really have a two game stretch uh, that, that one could consider, you know, easier. So so they really need to be on their toes the next the next several weeks. Yeah, it'll be fun to see, you know, where they end up there. I mean, they're fourth in the standings right now. Who knows where they'll be, who, where they'll be next week? Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we will be back with you possibly Saturday night. These day games really throw things off for me, but uh, I'm sure we'll get something up on the site. And as always, we're going to have uh, a lot of stuff coming to MazMoneyBall.com. We have a lot of kind of core season review stuff, uh, you know, uh, interest, you know, things for you to read during the next few days when there's not games. So as always, rate and review. Uh, tell your friends. We appreciate all the support, and we will see you guys later in the week.